Yo, you're listening to Two Not-So-Rad Dads, a weekly podcast about two dads who live on the same block and all the shit they deal with on a daily basis. We will discuss our struggles as parents and what it's like raising boys in today's society. We interview rad dads with black belts in judo and jiu-jitsu who also whip up a mean bolognese sauce. And we argue to the bitter end of who has the best parenting style, and let me tell you, it's not pretty. We do all this and a whole lot more while smoking weed together in a garage. I'm your co-host, JD. And I'm Billy, and this is episode five of Two Not-So-Rad Dads. Yeah, baby, I like it. Yeah. Um, Hey, we're going to do our sponsor talk, but before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to because we we do have a real sponsor today we have two real sponsors but i want to give a shout out to the patrons who support the dvr podcast network which this podcast is on thank we you have, patrons yes two new patrons awesome um our good friend justin thomas who i just did a live stream with on monday that was a patreon only exclusive and a new patron alejandro Welcome, Alejandro. Thanks for becoming a patron. You just signed up on Monday. Um, love to hear from you where you found out about us, and we appreciate your patronage. So thank you, everyone. Callum, Gina, Bill, everybody out there, thank you so much for being patrons. It really means a whole lot to me. And now JD is going to tell you about our other sponsor. Yes, our other sponsor is also... Kind of our guest today. Today's sponsor is, or show is brought to you by Dojo Outfitters. It's your one-stop shop for all things judo and jiu-jitsu, located right here in sunny Portland, Oregon. They make some of the coolest gear to wear on or off the mat. Whether you're looking for the new Hyperfly Gi or the new Rash Guard for no Gi Day at the gym, Dojo Outfitters Man. has you covered. And uh, go show them some love. If you use discount code NOTSORAD at checkout, Dojo Outfitters will give you 10% off. That's dojooutfitters.com. Nice. And with that, let's get into some weed talk. Oh, I hear it. I hear the noise. Sounds like somebody's go. taking a hit. What are you smoking? Dude, I'm not. I'm drinking. Straight oh, up. MCT okay. oil and a shot of espresso. This oh, shit is nice. bananas. I made some MCT oil a couple weeks ago and in my magical butter machine. And one little teaspoon of that mixed with some with a nice little shot of espresso and it's like all day. Is this the same oil that you made for me back in the day? That no, we- that was a alcohol-based tincture okay. and this is a MCT oil-based tincture. What does that mean? MCT is like that oil that they uh, say helps um, like attach caffeine to your body and different your body burns it in a different way okay it's it's kind of like this new rage of like people put like ghee butter in their coffee okay i it's get like it the yes. bullet coffee yes i do from. yep i do and so i know um, about that someone recommended making tincture with it and i did and and it's good oh man it's so much fun all right so i like fun. that well i'm just you? i'm just smoking a regular old key lime pie from the spot around the block i've just been getting those uh they still got that sale, man. They got like fifteen dollar eighths. There you go. And I've just been staying up late at night playing Horizon Zero Dawn and smoking weed. I was telling you before we started, I'm a little tired because I'm so into this damn video game, man. <laughs> I mean, I played this game like two and a half years ago with Lachlan a little bit. Uh-huh. Like you're just battling it's a post apocalyptic future and you're battling basically dinosaurs and animals that are robots. Okay. So it's not a lot of like 
hurting other people. Every once in a while you fight bandits, but it's not up close. You know, it's third person. Um, but this game, I love my sci-fi fix, man. I need, I just know this is me at night. I need to feel like I'm on a spaceship. Mm. Like I want to live on a spaceship. I want to be on a spaceship. When we buy our house, I want to make a room that just has white walls. That makes me feel like I'm in a spaceship. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is about me, JD. It's because you're out of this world. <laughs> I All am. Right. So let's move on. We got a guest today. I was getting excited Dude. about spaceships, but we got a guest. You know, well, let me tell you, I love music that sounds like it comes out of a spaceship. I, so yeah, I I'm know, on the that's same true. page as you. But I'm excited about our guest, yeah, man. our first guest. Yeah. Um, his name is Andy Hong. He is a recent father. He has medaled at the 2008 Beijing Olympic Trials, the U.S. Open, and Senior Nationals. A great year for him. He's the owner of the Head Sensei at Portland Judo, or one of the Head Senseis, and is owner of Dojo Outfitters. And um, Andy, am I forgetting anything? What am I leaving out about you, man? No, man. I mean, I'm. I'm just want to say I'm very fortunate. And I appreciate you guys. I'm also a fan of space too. So I feel like yeah. between the two of us, like we're gonna definitely click. But <laughs> hey, I appreciate you uh, uh, deeming me as a person that will be on this awesome podcast. So I just want to say thank you right off the top. Yeah, man. You oh, know, um, we have some great conversations, me and you. I know Andy because Andy. Uh, First was my sensei at Portland Judo, and I did judo a couple years ago. And then I met him, and I was like, dude, Andy, I know you got this company, this like clothing company. I want to help you grow it. And he had posted on Instagram like his goals of like growing this company. And I thought it was just such a beautiful post that I was like, man, I want to really help this guy. And so I reached out, and I've been shooting photos for Andy ever since. And it's like we went from like – he went from my sensei to my client, and now I feel like we're close enough to be called friends. Like – we talk. Oh, we have sure. some great conversations, and I thought that you'd be a perfect person to come on to talk about competitiveness and what yeah. that means. And is it a, yeah. is it something that's important in being a father or a parent? Like, is that something to hand important to hand down to your kids? Yeah, man, I feel like competition is such a. So first of all, yeah, I mean the way that me and you met is so cool because. I, I was in need of a, I was trying to take my brand to the next level visually. So like yeah. our online e-com products, it started out as me shooting it. it. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near any type of level of photographer. So it, it reflect our brand was reflecting that. And then whatever year, like what you're talking about, I was like, man, I want to take this brand to the next level. I got to start getting a professional photographer. And, um, that's when me and you linked up. Yep. And then from there it, it was a professional relationship. But after that, like as soon as me and you from like the first exchange, I knew that I found my guy and I'm all about relationships in business too. And in relationships in life, when I find someone, I really like to make sure like it's a mutual benefit relationship. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm just glad that I get to see you also grow as a photographer too. Like right. I've, I've, I've seen you get accounts and I've seen you shoot for uh, amazing brands and you know, who is Dojo Offenders to what you're doing too. So I appreciate that too, man. Yeah. But you're still one of my very favorite clients. Like, I'm always I'm stoked. Probably like, the favorite. I'm probably yeah. the favorite. You probably are. You probably <laughs> are. You know, I'm like, yeah, I know that I'm shooting a bunch of stuff for you tomorrow, and I'm like excited to get in there and do that. Like, I'm always excited <laughs> to see what you bring, and it's always a, a pleasure to have you in the studio. Yeah, I appreciate that. And going back to your question about uh, competition, yeah, uh, man, that's such. We could literally do a whole episode on competition, and I feel like uh, I've been. In, comp in some form of competition 
from probably like the day I was born, like yeah. whether it be from life, whether it be fighting another human being, whether it be talking to a landlord about business, like it's always, I've been fighting and being competitive all my life. So whether it be, like you said, as an individual, where does that fit in? Now that I'm a, you guys are, uh, despite the podcast name, you guys are stellar dads. I'm sure you guys are rad dads. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a new dad. So where does that competitiveness fit in with a child? Right. Um, it's kind of like where where do you guys want to start to unpack uh, the conversation on on competitiveness? Well, I know that you teach the kids club or the kids club. Or I guess it's not kids club, but the kids class at Do- at yes. Portland Judo. And so yes. your like job essentially is either I mean, or maybe it's not your job, but how do you approach competitiveness in the dojo with young children? Because I mean, yes. I think the youngest is like five up to what thirteen or yeah. something like that. Like. How do you how do you approach that so that the older kids are still getting it, but the new kids aren't being turned off? Or is it all the same for everyone? Man, that's such a great question because right off the bat, like judo, I teach a kid's judo class and judo is a martial art uh, focused around throwing or takedowns. There's also pins and submissions like arm bars and chokes. And in the kids program, um, we teach them kids judo. And kind of like what you said, it's challenging because – it's um it's a martial art, but also you could do it as a competitive sport. Mm-hmm. And at Portland Judo, which is my dojo, we're not necessarily known as like an elite competition comp dojo. Mm-hmm. We do compete, but we're focused on growing the martial artist first. Ah, and I think okay. that I think that actually helps uh being a better competitor because you're developing the human spirit and character and determination first mm-hmm. on how to um, uh, prepared to win, how to handle a loss, and then you could massage and grow that competitive gameness uh, in the individual. Yeah, so I like that. I, be- I believe that's what makes Portland Judo, and specifically from my perspective as a sensei, that what makes it unique because I've gone through uh, judo competition all my life. So I know I don't want to be braggocious, but I know what to do, and I kind of know what not to do too. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Andy. First of all, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to have you. Thank and you. for me, I think this is a great thing. You know, JD and I had talked about talking about competitiveness because for us, it's something that we noticed was different between us when we first met. Which is, I am not a very competitive person. I. Have a, and I think as we go on and discuss this, and I can already hear from kind of the perspective you're coming from that you're going to understand this and you've dealt with this probably with what you do, which is I am huge. I'm a huge individual. I'm six foot four. I weigh to approximately 250 pounds. Okay. Yeah. I'm a fucking ox. Okay. Brick, Brick City, Brick City, Jersey. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I have been this big forever. I was always the biggest kid. I was never small. Okay. I never had an issue in my life where I felt intimidated by yeah. other people physically because I'm always bigger than them. Actually, a couple times when I played basketball against the Rutgers basketball guys, they were like six foot ten. But that was it, right? When I walk around, I'm the biggest person, okay? And the reason why I'm prefacing all of this is because 
because of this, from a very young age, I was taught not to be aggressive. Okay. Because people were constantly telling me, you're going to kill somebody. Like (laughs) if you go out and play, if you play in the touch football game, okay, everybody can play, but Billy, you got to sit this one out. Right. Oh, Right. Why? Because you're going to fucking kill somebody. And by the way, I have, I have broken arms. I have given kids concussions. I have not even on purpose. Okay. Just wicked high just five. Stay from, just stay away from petting small animals. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. So, so my son is huge too. Yes. So long story short, I had a hard time with competitiveness because I always felt that I could never know where the line was. Right. And I was never given the opportunity or the chance by a good coach. I should have went and maybe if I had learned from you when I was younger to know the difference between because of I never learned that I also found that I was the type to get angry at a sports game. If somebody slighted me or hit me, I wouldn't know the difference. I don't know where the line is with aggression and competitiveness. So you're either killing a motherfucker or you're sitting down and watching. Mm. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So I, that's been an issue for me when I got older in high school, I kind of learned in basketball how to box out and not get angry and be competitive. But then I just got sick of sports because I don't, I'm like an artist. So I just felt it was a little, you know, just a little bit too much for me. I wanted to like prance around and paint and yeah. make movies and stuff. But yep. so I'm interested to hear from you, my friend, how you deal with this in the sense of, where that line is for kids. Cause that's what it is for me. How do I teach my son who is already five feet tall at eight years old is in the like 120th percentile of height and weight, <laughs> right? He's huge. Right. How do I teach him yeah. that? And, and I think you kind of hit on it from the beginning, which is like the med, I, you know, we meditate, Right. And that kind of stuff, like finding the center first and then presenting that out to the world. So I'll let you talk, but that's because kind of my background. And I just wanted to give you the background of how JD and I first kind of got into talking about this. Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, perspective to have. And if you think about it, if you were born in like ancient Rome, you'd be a fucking crazy gladiator, bro. Yeah, I guess I my family. Yeah, we're Irish stock, man, and you can actually see it. It's not even a joke. Half We have 25 cousins, okay? Half of them are men, right? Six of the guys are six foot four, 250, and six, and six of the guys are about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, stocky bowling balls that could run through you like my brother, whose calves are bigger than than my my like thighs <laughs> but he's six he's like five foot eight five right. foot nine tree trunks. you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's like yeah we were kind of bred that way in some weird way like when i look at it but um but that's not me i'm like a gentle giant like i don't like fighting and well, you know i've had to go the other way at one point you were, what if you were, like you said, what if you were pushed towards a combat sport? What if you were like, oh, my cousin does boxing. Oh, shit. Billy, go try boxing. And you just tap into that primal 
Yeah. That primal, like you beat the brakes off, and now it's like, hey, be as savage as you could possibly be. Like you'd be a berserker on the front lines. That's where they put front lines. <laughs> they would have. Like, I'm German too, so yeah. <laughs> it's people like you. So I mean, to go back, like look, look like exactly like what you for for your example, like if if you have gone into somebody wrestled or did jujitsu in your family, and you're like, hey, Billy, you're a genetic uh, freak. Like you have this physicality. Let's actually put you into this sport and, and see what you could do uh, with that kind of discipline. I think that's what makes judo special about uh, not a knock on basketball or not a knock on another sport, but the discipline required and the physicality when you pair physically throwing somebody or physically arm barring somebody, there's a certain amount of discipline and control that you have to have. Or you'll literally put someone to sleep, which could cause injury, or you'll break an arm, or you'll throw yeah. somebody and be totally reckless. So to kind of go back to the core of the question, how do we do it with kids? Okay. So say uh, we get, you know, like JD said earlier, we our kids' classes from like five to maybe like 12, depending how mature or, or physically big or how old the, the older child is. So say we have it from five to 12, and that's a huge mental bridge between a five-year-old and a 12-year-old and a huge physical bridge between it but what we do at the dojo is we put everyone together that's our kids class so um from my perspective specifically i was the the lone sensei the one individual and i would probably have maybe like 15 to like 20 kids in one class so of course i would have like a coach or every now and then would have on the map but it would be just me so that part of of kids Anyone who's ever tried to wrangle cats together, it could be pretty hectic. But the good thing about being in a dojo is the discipline that is required to be in there. So from the day one, when a new kid even starts, the main system that I have in play, and this all leads to answering your question. The main system I have in play is that if one child messes up or a belt comes off or they make a mistake, the entire group pays for it. So if day one, six-year-old white belt, day one belts come off, I stop the class. Everybody has to do 20 squats because that kid's belt came off. Everybody stops. No matter what we're doing, everybody stops. We all do squats. We pick it up. I tell the oldest kid or the highest ranking kid, hey, go tie that kid's belt over there. Everybody else start running again. So from the start when people jump in, the oldest and strongest still has to help out the youngest and the weakest, even if it's just tying a belt. Right. So then it becomes, hey, it, it actually compounds. So now if a second belt comes off, it's 40 squats. If a third belt comes off, it's 60 squats. Everybody does. So now everybody's watching out to make sure that the new person, if he doesn't know how to tie a belt, hey, the older one should actually be understanding how to teach this kid how to tie a belt because it affects everybody. Right. Um, so that kind of comes in at least they're getting an understanding about not only – you can't just worry about yourself in this dojo. You have to worry about the youngest people below you. Maybe they don't have the mental cognition to understand what a belt even is to tie. You have to go over there and you have to help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a very small example of how we take someone that's maybe older or bigger and we kind of have them play a role in helping someone that's maybe smaller or younger. And that's just one example. But there's a layers of examples in, okay, grab a partner. We try and have the ages go together, but I'm, I'll have one of the oldest kids Hey, today you're going to watch these two young five-year-olds and you're going to help them get the technique. So they're, they're, the 12-year-old is having a hands-on experience. They have to understand the move I'm showing. They have to be able to verbalize and articulate what I'm trying to do to a five-year-old. Of course, I'm watching the whole thing to 
So if the 12 year old can't really articulate it to the point, I'll come in and say, Hey, Mateo, don't forget that you have to mention this to them because maybe they didn't get that technique. So I'm watching everything too. But I think that kind of goes back to just starting as a person first. Like you're going to start as a person and you're going to foster this dojo family first. Now to kind of go in into the competitive idea, um, how do you breed a game, a, a level of gameness, a spirit of gameness that is required to do judo? Even at the dojo level, you still have to have a certain amount of gameness and amount of fight in your body. It is a it is a combat martial art. That's what I believe. So we start off like how most things are, like as a game. And I thought about this earlier because JD actually threw out a little prompt to me what we're going to talk about. This is a, a very good example of how we kind of like foster gameness very early. So what I'll do is. I'll split the class in two. I'll say, I'll call them off. I, everyone line up by age. You got 10 seconds. Everyone has to line up by age. Boom. I go down the line. I, I give them numbers. One, two, one, two, one, two. And I split them up by age. So you'll have a five-year-old and a five-year-old, a seven and a seven, and an eight and an eight, and a 12 versus 12. Mm, okay. And I'll put one medicine ball in the middle of the dojo, and I'll separate the teams. And I'll say, okay, if I call out, Three, both numbers threes have to go out and grab the medicine ball and drag it back to their side. Oh, so they kind of fight over it in the middle. Fight over the ball in the middle in Mm -hmm. front of everybody, in front of the entire dojo. And I'll put a cone at one end and the other end. And you have to drag the medicine ball from the middle of the dojo, drag it from the other child and put it on your cone. And let me tell you something. When I started that game, it was a game, but every age wanted to win that medicine ball battle like it was a game but it really wasn't a game like these kids wanted to win um and that's just like it was fun we made it a fun atmosphere but what we're really doing is we're playing to win there's only one winner there's only one you either do or you don't and we're kind of showing them that early through games um so man you'll have five-year-olds and the good thing, because it's an underlying martial art, you don't see people crying. You don't see people getting up, throwing their hands in the air, celebrating. Hey, you won. Hey, good job. Bow to each other. Let's go back. We're going to call a different number. That's part of what we do, too. So that, that just kind of goes to my mind about what we kind of do to foster both the person and what kind of drill we can do to foster that gameness about how, how you want to uh, conduct yourself. And if you want to win, you got to go out there and win against somebody else. Yeah, I think I think being competitive is a super important trait in kids. And I've been waiting to have this conversation with Billy because <laughs> our kids ride bikes together every day on the street. And this is a perfect example. A couple of days ago, I had made this ramp and uh, I made it so that you could like separate the takeoff from the landing and you can make a gap. Right. Yeah. And, Lach- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so Lachlan comes over. That's Billy's son comes over like all the time to ride bikes and he rides this ramp and he always has me put it together and he rides up and over. And so I said, Lachlan, today's the day that you do a gap, right? So, so Lachlan, I think ran home to get his gloves. Like he he was so nerd or actually, you know, no, he went, he did did the gap and I said, Oh my God, Lachlan. And I was so proud of him. Like he went for it. Like he, pedaled into it, had the right speed, cleared it, looked great. I was so proud of him. And I was like, 
dude, we've got the school talent show coming up. I've been working on this video for Xander, and I'm trying to cut in a friend section for the other kids in the neighborhood. I thought it would be super fun, right? So I'm like, Lachlan, we got to get this on on the GoPro. I ran in. He's like, I want to go get my gloves. So he runs home, gets his gloves, and gets Billy and comes back. Lachlan (laughs) now is a different child. I'm like, Lachlan, Lachlan, let's go ride the ramp. And Lachlan's like, "Uh," and he does do it. For the camera, but he does it at half the speed. Oh. But it doesn't really make Why it. Why do you think he did that? Because the whole time, Billy's watching him and going, oh, I don't know, Lachlan. You know, <laughs> this is I a was pretty a big gap, Lachlan. Uh, he is a He's nervous totally right. wreck, right? He's totally right. And I'm the opposite. I'm yeah. like, Xander's got his bike, and I'm like kicking the ramp to make the gap bigger while he's got his back to it just to make him try (laughs) that bigger gap because i know like if i just land this shit if or i just line this shit up every time together he i'm he's not gonna push himself to try to clear the bigger gap and then we're gonna go ride a trail and he's gonna need to clear the bigger gap and he's not gonna he's not gonna try to go for it so i'm constantly like dude this is gonna help you this is going to like we have to move in this direction. Even if you crash on your face and lose a tooth, we have to try <laughs> this. I don't like that. See, yeah, I, I got to tell you, you are so right. Uh, do you think that he was scared that he was going to make me upset or nervous? Or do you think that he was trying to act the way he thought? I, as a father, wanted him to act. I feel mm. like he was feeding off of your your uncomfortable energy. Just, ba- uh, just being just like, baseline. oh my God, my dad's really yeah, nervous. Yeah. And he might not have even known why that made him nervous. Okay. But it's just... It like anytime right. you come around, he stops trying. Dude, the but the but the jumping and the but you know that. I love that you do that with him. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I mean, look, I could have the attitude of like that, you know, like some crazy parent of like, no, I don't want my son doing JD. Listen, when my son's around, don't put the ramps out. Okay. Listen, in my house, we don't, but I know, I know that I'm overly cautious. Um, I just by nature, I am anxiety ridden. And I mean, come on. I was raised Catholic by a Jewish dad. Yes. Like this is the worst. I got both. I got the guilt. I got the fear. I got the anxiety. I got it all. Okay. Um, it's it, and I, but I like, that's why I like that. We're having this. Cause I like that. You do that, man. I love that, bro. Like I say, thank you. I appreciate that because I know that he likes that, right? right. Like mm. it's, we are different in yeah. that sense. He is his mother on the other hand, though she might not like the jumping thing because she just, it's her kid, you know, right. the spirit she gets. I mean, she runs, she's out right now running like 10 miles for no reason. Right, right, right. Like nobody's chasing her. There's not a prize at the end. She's not in danger. (laughs) She's just running. I don't do that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like I have always challenged myself mentally, not really physically. That's kind of been my life. Like you want to give me an SAT? I'll take that motherfucker right now with joy. (laughs) With joy. I took it three times for fun. Wow. I love tests. I love 
So like, then you are competitive. It's just you're not like physically. But no, but I'm not even competitive in that because I'm only competing with myself. Well, like you, that's, you could still totally be competitive okay, with yourself. Then right? That's I mean, that's okay. You, I think right. you could. That's where I don't know the difference, though. See, I have like I have to go on a journey of my own with mm-hmm. my son of learning that I understand. I guess, I, like you say, I guess I am competitive, right? Yeah. Because I there, but. I guess it's that physical sports thing that kind of with my side, like I, it's just a confusing topic to me and I'm trying to clarify that. And yeah. I like what Andy, what you were saying about it starting with realizing that the strongest must, must help the weak or that our, our, we can, it can switch very quickly, right? Like a strongest guy in the room can quickly become the weakest guy in another sense, you know, knowing your limits, having respect for yourself. But I like that because for me, it's always like, I'm always saying to Lachlan, it's the journey, not the destination. Like you don't need to win something. It's how you played the game. Right. But then again, I'm a Jets fan. I just so, think it's important. I was a Patriots that, fan. Maybe I'd be a winner. Yeah. Well, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> quite honest. Um, I just think that it's important that we that I personally push my kids to try their hardest, no matter what they're doing, whether it's you know raking the leaves or squats. Yeah. Like I just want them to give it their all, and I think part of that is me reflecting on when I was, you know, like. When I was in high school, my senior year wrestling, uh, it was a CIF tournament, and I came out in the first day and upset the number three seed, and wow. I was unseated. Oh, and I like wrestled out of my body, and my coach was smart. He didn't tell me who I was wrestling because if I got that in my head, I was gone, right? But I came out and I like wrestled my ass off and beat this kid, and then he's like, "Dude, you just upset the number three seed," and I went home and it, I was like uncomfortable because all of a sudden I had all I had become a wrestler that I always like wanted to be. And I Mm -hmm. didn't realize, like, I didn't know what made me that wrestler and it made me so nervous. And I also hated cutting weight and I was so tired of it. And I remember going home that night and knowing like my friend Bodie was throwing this huge party the next week. His parents were out of town. And if I didn't win day two, I could go to that party and I remember calling, oh, and, I, and, and yeah, I, and it's, I reflect on this all the time and beat myself up about it all the time. And I came out second day. I, I can't even tell you my war. Like I used to know, remember all my matches. I couldn't tell you what I, who I wrestled, what I even did. I wasn't even there the, the second day and I got my ass handed mm. to me and I stepped off the mat for the last time. And I realized, oh shit, you just let go of everything that you worked so hard for for four years like i sacrificed so much through high school to be this like kind of like mediocre wrestler but that's who i I was like giving it everything and i let it go to go to Bodie's party and i think about that now and i'm like i can't let my kids make that poor decision yeah because i went to so many fucking parties with Bodie. but wait i have a a question that 
Did you get laid at the party? No, dude. I made okay. an ass of if myself. If you got laid at the party, it might have been worth it, JD. I made an <laughs> ass just of kidding. myself at that party. No, that's so. it. But see, it's for me, I guess the thing, when I hear that story and I and I see it in your face that you're really feeling this, I guess I have, and, and I'd like to ask Annie about this, the trials in my life, right? The times I have given up or the times where I have let myself down have eventually, I really feel this way, taught me more than when I said, fuck it, I'm going for it. And I won and I got, or, or for me, I got the A or I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I did, I made a movie grade or so like a fuck it, you know? I pushed through and shot illegally on the New York subway for a whole day and didn't get caught like that kind of stuff. That's my challenges, my competitiveness. But I also feel like the times I gave up really did teach me a lot. Like that's why it's hard for me. And I wonder Andy, how you teach if you're gonna, if you're teaching someone, okay, if you lost this match, you learn so much from it. How do you teach them that they need to win? Do you understand? Do you, do you catch my drift, yeah, yeah, JD? Sure. Yeah. Like, how do yeah, you teach I think, that? I think, obviously, you know, the, like you pretty much nailed it where you want to be able to learn two times. You want to be able to learn when you win. You want to be able to learn when you lose. And going back to JD's story where when he upset the number third seed, like winning was like a new idea to him. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I won. What do I do next? I guess I'll just – I'm going to go to that party and – not do day number two and i'm not trying to rub that in your face i'm just saying like if that that was like you know it now that was you looking over the cliff and saying oh shit i actually beat this guy what if i doubled down and did it again and fuck i'm gonna win right. this tournament fuck a party i'm gonna win this tournament it could have easily been that way where totally. you know like yeah it's on yourself but where was the coach saying hey we're not done yet jd yeah you beat number three but you got number two tomorrow so make sure you rest up i'm gonna come pick you up tomorrow and we're gonna make sure we go over a game plan uh to beat number two they could have easily went that way too. Yeah. So and even then, that's not even a, a, a um, that wasn't even a fact external factor to yourself. There's so much external factors that go into being prepared to win. I think going back to the question Good where um, you have to mentally be ready to uh, accept the W and move on and realize that you did double down. You did put four years into your life to get to this tournament. I did cut the weight. I flew all the way to Europe to fight in this tournament. I'm going to try and beat the snot out of this guy. And if I win, I'm going to be ready to beat the, the next guy. Uh, so I think preparing to win uh, and preparing to lose. But at the same time, you have to know this. Think about this too. Um, you have to realize what you're in wrestling or what you're in judo for or what you're in business for. Are you in it just to go through it and, and get it done? Or are you wanting to be the best at what you want to be and, and have some pride in your work and your craft? Right. So it sounds like it sounds like when you said you wanted your kids to be the best at doing what they're doing, even if it's raking leaves, yeah, well be the best rake leaker rake raker you could be. Right. Like we're not just gonna do things just to go through the motions and we're gonna try and make sure it's done properly. Um so it's being prepared to win and, and visualizing what winning feels like and then what's the next step after that. Um, whether that be in business, whether that be in business or getting a degree or fighting in a tournament, like you have to mentally prepare. How do you coach someone to do that? I think you have to be around. Uh, it's a certain, it's a certain, it's a very steady hand at that certain age, but if they're going to try and be elite competitors, they're going to have to grow up pretty quick too. You have to be able to be kind of black and white at some point. Mm -hmm. At some point, if they, if they're telling me they want to make an Olympic team, I can only say, Hey, you did great, but you lost so, so, so often. 
you're telling me you want to make the Olympic team. You did good, but guess what? You could have done more. Right. You, you, you left out a lot on the mat there. You took bronze. Hey, that's great. That's a step towards what you want. But let's try and get goal on the next one. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is this. You're going to do strength and conditioning. You want to start doing extra. I'll do some chokes with you after class. And we're going we're gonna to shore up where you were weak. So at some point, there has to be a firm handling. But I don't. But what what I try and do is I don't do the firm hand unless they tell me that's what they want. If you say national champion and you're talking to me about it, you have to come to me and say that's what you want. I'm not going to say, hey, guess what? I'm going to make you a national champion because I medal too. So I want you to medal. It comes from the wrong place. Yeah. Any that's kid. How- any kid that's like that. that's there that if you have to go to that kid to tell them, hey, I'm going to make you a national champ, that kid's never going to be a national champ. Yeah, I don't do it that way. But at the same time, even as a coach and sensei, if I see potential, I'll tell them like, hey, you, oh, you right. must be pretty good. Right. But you can't you, be, be you can't good. as a coach can't be like, hey, I'm picking you up oh, Tuesday. No We're going national champ champ training like that kid has to be no, on, I'll tell him, be hey. begging for it. And, you know, sometimes as a sensei and a coach and, and probably as a father, when I get there. Sometimes you have to tell the individual or the athlete or the student, like, man, you know that you have so much talent. Like, I've seen so much kids come into this dojo. You have a lot of talent and you're wasting it. You know why you're wasting it? Because you show up late to class. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't practice hard. You don't, you sit out easy rounds, and I'm calling you on it. So what are you gonna do about it? Are you gonna be mad that I called you on you taking the easy way and you're gonna get upset? That's fine. But I'm letting you know that you could be really good at this sport if you really wanted to. And I, I see how they respond. If they want, if, if they say, you know what, Sensei, I've had to do this to grown men too in the jiu-jitsu side. This is I do it to kids. I do it to 30-plus-year-old men all the time. Hey, why are you sitting on the wall? If you want to be good, get in there and get your rounds in. Hmm. If you're, you know, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell people, hey, you're athletic. Hey, kid, you're so athletic, man, You're but you're wasting it. Don't waste the gift that you're given. You have to actually massage and foster that gift because not everyone has it. Yeah. So what do you say to the person who is really great, but they don't want to compete? They don't want to go into um, an organized, competitive type environment. So say there is a kid there and he's amazing, right? And you say to him. You know, and he and, you know, it just comes up because he's so amazing. And he's like, I'm happy doing this for me. I don't want to get involved in this organization where I'm judged, where this all this stuff is involved. What I just want to do is come here every couple times a week and be the best that I can be. You know, what's crazy is I was that kid. Like, that's how I found judo. My brother came to me and said, oh, we're going to do judo. You should come. I was 13. And the first thing I said is I don't want to compete. I just want to do judo. But I was the one that went to international competitions and fought all over the world. <laughs> I was that one. Yeah. So it's funny, it's funny that you asked me that because how I do it, because I was that individual, I don't force that individual. What I would tell him is like, hey, I know you really like the digital and you're really good. Have you ever considered competing? No, I don't really want to. I'm nervous. Okay, well, why don't you just come and watch this one? There's a tournament this weekend. Maybe you want to come and watch? Okay, no, I don't want to. I still don't force the person because like how JB just said a couple minutes ago, if you have to kind of force the person that much, it usually doesn't really work. You have right. to kind of push them a little bit. Oh, that's and if so they kind true. Of, if, they, if they like the push and they're like, oh, okay, I did see that tournament. Oh, I think I could be good. Okay, yeah, let's start getting you ready and just do one. If you don't like it, we don't have to do it again. Yeah. Okay, cool. But if they really push back and they really bite their heels in the ground and don't want to do it, I'll just say, hey, man, 
well, if you don't want to be a competitor, we have these two PAs are competing. Why don't you just at least work out with them? Because they're trying to make tournaments. They're trying to win that. But it, you don't have to win the fight the tournaments, but these two kids are. So because you're so good and you like doing judo, just keep training with these two kids that are trying to make the next level. And then maybe sometimes that competition will rub off on the individual that didn't even want to fight because he's trying, he's training and running with people that are trying to make elite level teams or make a tournament or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. He gets in like in the movie inception, the idea gets incepted into his head because he's around his peers doing it. Not me saying you're going to do it. You're going to do this. He's around seeing what it's like and he's already doing the work anyway. You might as well jump in and see if you could actually kill it. Right. This is a, this is an important lesson about women too. (laughs) <laughs> you can't force this oh no but i think about this with my son too like when they get to know girls like it's an important lesson in life you can't force people to do things right oh uh, yeah that go, that's across the board yep. a person yep. has to have it within themselves and have that desire and follow through if you're not seeing the follow through i mean i was a teacher Mm-hmm. And I would know I, I was never that type of teacher be like, I will be the one to inspire this child. No, because guess what? There were enough kids who needed and asked for my attention that got it. Right. If you don't step up, you know what I'm saying? That is a part of life that you have. And I think that's an important part of I like competitiveness. I mean, you asked, I mean, I sit up my fat ass and watch football eight hours a day. And I love when people compete, but again, it comes back that I have to get to the point of seeing the virtue. And as you were talking about being the one who didn't want to compete, but then somehow when it, when it came that time to do so, I would infer that it was because you realized that was the way to be the best you could be was to compete with other people was to challenge yourself against other people who are at the highest level challenging themselves. And I can understand that, you know, that's when it becomes, um, not, I don't want to say kind of like dirty to me, you know, like mean, Uh, like there's, uh. there's a certain aspect of, of being a winner means you're making someone a loser, Mm -hmm. you know? And I also always in my life had an issue with, I kind of always, you know, again, Jets fan, love the underdog. So I never wanted to be the guy who was the winner. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there was a certain amount of, um, uh, you know, I don't want to be like the person in the interview, right? Like these days they, they ask you like, what's your biggest fault? Oh, my, my biggest fault is that, uh, I try too hard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's what every millennial says yeah. in an interview or something, right? I don't want to say that like this fear of winning, but I think that's a real thing. Do you find that Andy, that that's a real thing that there are people yeah. who know they're great and they will win. But like you, JD, you were so used to being and had convinced yourself you were a mediocre wrestler that when you realize, wait, I'm not that I have the opportunity to be something great. It put a new, a new set it put a new pressure on you. Yeah. And it was the fear of winning. How do you handle being a winner? And yeah. I like the way Andy said, you win and you move on to the next game. 
Right. That's how you handle it. But if you've never really won, won like that yes. before. It could be hard. Yeah. Yeah. It could be hard. And, and you know, and if I, if man, I wish that would have happened to me junior year, right? Because in senior year, I would have come back on yeah. fire. Yeah. Right? But like, I got that match at the very end of my career, which then. Oh, then the house party was on Saturday and that was it. And that was it, dude. Yeah. But do you find that, Andy, that you have, you teach people, you have students who are, are intimidated by their own talent? Or, I, I think so. I think what, I think what it goes into, so if we're talking about, let's just talk about actual like competition, not competing, like actual competition. You're, you're stepping into an environment where it's mutually agreed upon that there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. So I've never, I understand the perspective on I don't want to be the one that makes someone a loser, but I came up in an environment where you don't want to be the loser. If you're going to be one of these things, you want to be the winner. And I've been mm-hmm. training way too hard to be a loser. Mm-hmm. So that type of environment, when you step into that mutually agree environment, that's what I'm trying to say. When you step into the dojo, when you step yeah. on the mat, when you fight somebody, they also agreed that they could also make me a loser. That's what they, that's what we agreed on when we faced combat. When you're watching O-line versus D-line, they agreed on someone's going to lose this play, and it's not going to be me. So I think that has a time and place. Now, can you have that? And do you meet people in life that are in business, and it's like your coworker is trying to beat you to a sale, and it's like, dude, we're not even competing. We're trying to sell the same thing. Like People will target that uh, wrongly. People will target that wrong that competition scope wrongly. They'll be in competition with their wife. They'll be in competition with their son. They'll be in competition with everybody but themselves. So focusing that mirror back, like how you talked about earlier, I was a competitor all my life, and the hardest transition was to be um, no longer competitive but competitive with myself. Because just talking about being a competitor now, uh, being a competitor makes you inherently selfish. You got to think about what you're trying to do, whatever, even if it's just being a basketball player or a boxer or a judo cub, you're trying to worry about getting your best practice, your best nutrition, your best sleep. You got to make sure that you're doing what you can do. And as a young individual, the way my life panned out, I was a competitor and I, I, I turned into an inherently selfish individual. And somewhere around 27, 26, I realized, 28, it was hard for me. I realized that I was a selfish individual and it hurt me a lot. Hmm. I realize that about myself, but like, look how much being a com- comp- uh, a competitive person has brought me. It brought yeah. me a dojo, right? It brought me a shop. It brought me a business degree. It brought a lot of things into my life, but it also cut me when I realized how selfish I was to people. Yeah, yeah. nothing's free though, right? You like the, you kind of that's how that's how you in in some ways that's how you earned it. Yeah, that's and how not, I earned it, and that, yeah. that's the arena I was in. That's right. the arena I was in. I agreed to be in that arena. Yeah. I like so that you I say hope- that too. Agree okay. to be in that space and that arena. Yeah. That's something that was ve- that I had to learn um, through basketball, and that's yeah. where when I was in, I told JD a little bit about this when I was in seventh grade. I was on a team that was twenty four and zero. We were the state champions in New Jersey for the age group, like pre-high school age group. We beat every opponent by a minimum of 30 points, okay? I played exactly five minutes of the whole season. (laughs) I scored six points. I was the backup center. I wasn't the third center. I was the backup because my coach never took out the starting players. Oh, that's unfortunate. Never. 
And I learned, and that turned me off. Because yeah. look, I won. But what I, what I learned from that, and let me tell you, you think that I would have ever thought about that coach. I don't even remember his fucking name because yeah. he was an <laughs> asshole. Right. He won, but I don't. he never taught me anything of value. The only yeah. thing he taught me of value was crush the competition. You, you're not here to, he would say to us, I'm not here to teach you to be great men or whatever. We're here to win fucking games. Right. And we won. <laughs> we played it terrible. That's pretty terrible. Yeah. Now. We played a Brendan Byrne when, when the Nets used to play there, we played on the court. I took a shot on an NBA court at half. Oh. Like they, we played, it was awesome, man. Right. So cool. None of that stuck with me. And I never wanted to play organized sports again yeah, because this, he was so hard. We would run yeah. until we puke in freezing gyms at five o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I was in seventh grade. Yeah, I think like, I think that's too early. And maybe Andy can talk about like when is the time to get your kid into something. That's like, a great that question. Great question. Because you know my kid, like I said, loves to ride mountain bikes, and I want to get him into racing. And we're having this conversation, and I'm like, "Ooh, am I pushing him too much? Like, yeah. is he really? Does he really want to race, or is he like, yeah, Dad, I'm doing this for you, and I don't want him to be doing this for me because." Then you know that is interesting, and I think he might be at an age where you could ask him. You might have be an age where it's like, hey, just so you know, like I want to make sure that you want to do this. Like, what do you think about it? And you start actually talking to him. I'm I'm sure you already do that, but you could also be like, hey, man, you're gonna be a good dad, Andy. (laughs) I want to call a timeout. I want to call a timeout. Are you doing this for me, or are you doing because you really want to? Because you could do whatever you want to do in your life. Just let me know. Yeah, Yeah. you know what I mean. You could have that conversation. And what when is a good age? I mean. It's, you know, every individual is different, but I would say around, I know coming from me, I would probably like 13, 14, 15, you kind of have to decide in the world of judo and in the world of a competitive, you're a competitive swimmer or you're competitive in X sport. At some age, you have to decide if you want to go to that next level of competition. Yeah. And it's only up to the individual or the mom or the dad or whoever it is. If they say that they want to do it, the level of coaching and, and what has to happen is going to change because it's no longer just everything is good. You're doing everything great. No, you told me you wanted to go to the next level. What you're doing is actually not going to get you there. So we have to do X, Y, Z. You're doing ABC good, but we're going to change that and do this. So it kind of like, I would say somewhere around 14, 15, uh, that early high school, Hey, maybe your high school has a baseball team. You want to try and make the team. Let's be competitive. You want to be competitive there. Let's try it. Um, because maybe the next level is college. Maybe you got a scholarship and that's going to be even more competitive. It doesn't get any less competitive the closer you get to being a professional. Right. So you, uh, to a certain extent, if you're telling me that's what you want, Sensei Roy, JD, you know Sensei Roy. Yep. He's the, uh, he's the head sensei at Portland Judo. Great guy. When we, me and Louie went to San Jose State, he told me what's the, what's the uh, fastest way to go from first to last. You turn pro, you turn professional. Now you're dealing with professional people. Now you're dealing with people that do this to try and make Olympic teams. Like there's a level to the game. So, man, I got my, I got the snot, tears, blood beat out of me. And I won OAA Hawaii Judo champion. I thought I was hot shit. I was young. I was 18. I thought I was going to come in and smoke everybody. I was a rest. I told everyone I was a restaurant. People would use me to go to rest. 
They needed an easy <laughs> round to say, Andy, wow. they'll be on their knees saying, oh, Andy, I need a rest. Come over here. And they would just like fuck me up like bad. My ears are shredded. Like my ego was shredded. And I was a freshman moving away from Hawaii. No parents, nothing. Just my brother. My brother was there, fortunately. So, I mean, I've been at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And it really tells what type of individual it is to either fight and come back up or what, you know, if you're faced with that, luckily I had, I had nowhere else to go. Any literally, I was literally all in on this program. So I couldn't even quit if I wanted to. So I had to stay there. Right. So I think that perspective of, of going through that. And now that I'm, I'm, I'm having influence on young judo or jujitsu because life, because I've dug dirt and was that person, the stepping stone for so long, I know what it's like to be that. I could talk to that individual. I could tell him, Hey, it's not like that forever. It is going to be hard, but you told me you wanted to be at this level. This is what the level looks like, but yeah. you're going to get better. Interesting. That's awesome, dude. See, you should be a Jets fan. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a Giants fan. You got that. You got that. You got that lunch pail attitude, man. Blue collar. Yeah, yeah blue, blue collar. collar. We ain't making yep. any flashy moves in the off season. We're just yep. drafting. We're just eating dirt. Like that's just what I the New York Giants do, man. See, I, I have to admit, I admitted this to JD since I moved away from New York. Growing up in Jersey. You know, I mean, the typical thing is like the Jets could win the Super Bowl by the widest margin in the history of the world. And the back of the daily news would be Giants uh, vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> you know, like it would not even the mention darlings. the Jets like They're they the of them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, as I moved away, because it's been I haven't lived there in almost gosh, in like 15, oh God, 14, 13 years or something. Um, I actually love the Giants. I cheer for the Giants because they're New York. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, and I have to admit, when I think about my youth, Phil Sims and Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks and these guys that won the championship, Bill Parcells, all these, this was like part of my, what I, the first football game I ever went to was a Giants game. Giants versus the Rams. And I said to my dad, isn't there a team that wears green? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I was like, I like that team better. I don't know why. I just love the Jets. I'm Irish. I don't uh, know. But that's, um, that's, what, that's what's awesome about kids in sports, man. I remember wa loving yeah. Washington State because I thought their colors were cool. That's what, yeah. Cougar on the side of the helmet. Exactly. Right? And then you become like, you're like yelling at people about it, yeah. you know? But um, I, that's, that's, that's a great story, Andy. And I, I really think that, you know, I like what you said. And I know you, you are a new dad. How old is your son? He's uh six months. Six months old. Now oh, I'm man. sure but as as with with judo being such a big part of your life and competition and, and such, have you already kind of plotted out his future or are you thinking, Hey, I gotta wait to ask him, but I'm itching to get him into the dojo. Ooh, that's or, great. Yeah. I'd love to oh, hear like yeah, what, yeah what's like, your how are you gonna go about yeah. this? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean yeah. and, and I got another question because I grew up with my dad coaching me a lot. Do you coach him? Yeah. Okay. So to answer the black and white of it is yes, he it's planned that he's going to be in the dojo and I'm going to bring him there. But to just quickly answer JD's question, I'm probably not going to be the one that coaches him first. Like I want my brother or sensei Roy or another sensei. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to like introduce him into the dojo because it's such a big thing of my life. Oh yeah. He's going to be there for sure. But of course, yeah. but when do you go like, when do you, yeah. when do you tie, tie his belt and push him on the mat? 
I mean, when he's like three or four, like he's already going to be coming with me. He's already going to be coming with me to teach my classes, so he's already going to be in there. Does but he have to like, tell you he wants to do it, or are you? No, I think I think like I, there's kind of like two ways that uh, in my life, there's been sports that I've been like channeled into because my parents are like, Andy's going to play soccer. We want him to play soccer. He likes to play soccer, and mm-hmm. he's playing soccer. Right. Then I was like, oh, I think I want to try and do wrestling. Okay, go do wrestling. So in my life and one of my experiences, uh, there's going to yeah. be certain sports that they're guided. Like you're going to be doing judo. Okay, cool. I like judo. Hey, can I play baseball? Hey, you know what? Let's actually do baseball too then. Got it. Yeah. So there's going to be things that like I'm going to say judo is important. I want you to experience this with me and your dad and, and, my, and your uncle and your dojo. But if you ever say you want to do bowling, shit, let's find out some bowling places and let's get you in the bowling alley. Like there I'm not against – I'm not having blinders on where it's like, no, your life is the second me. Like, that's not that's not why I had a son. I want my, I'm going to introduce him to things. I want him to like the Giants. But if he likes the Jets, I'll say, fuck, no, you're going to like the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, my, my son is a Miami Dolphins fan because he asked me, yeah, about three years ago. He said, hey, dad, who's the Jets' biggest rival? Oh. And I said, well, you know what? Actually... It's the Miami Dolphins. Historically speaking, the Jets-Dolphins is the biggest rival for the Jets and the most fun. And he said, okay, I'm going to be a Dolphins fan. And you can see he's competitive like his mom. And you know what? I got into it, man. I did not get mad about it. I said, all right, buddy. You know what? That's what you want to do. That's cool, man. I like that you like football. And he's gotten a little more into it. Yeah. And my sister's kids, uh, my sister's a Jets fan, too, of course. And her kids are Eagles and Patriots fans. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. They kind of did the same thing. They, like, picked a different team. You can start placing some bets and, like, hey, we're going to do 10 push-ups on the Dolphins. (laughs) Loser takes out all the trash bags in this house. I like that. Yeah, I like that. I, uh, yeah, that's cool, man. Well, that's another thing. You you hit on something really interesting. I like it, which is I often find that instead of rejecting my son's competitive nature, right? I try not to always harness it or control it in some way. Say, okay, this is the way it is. I do. It comes in handy with chores, like you're saying. Do some put. If you yeah. do this, you get this. Right. He responds very well to that. Yeah, mm. and you got to make good. things yeah. games for sure. Yeah, and he responds very well. He likes numbers and exact things. So, you know, he tries to get ten thousand steps on his mm. his uh, watch. You know his. Pedometer every day. Yeah, that's why he's dude. always over at my house shaking the shit yeah. out of that thing. <laughs> dude. Like, ah, oh, 10,000. Him and he Nico is. are always just shaking the shit out of their You watches. know what he did? He figured out. My sister got him one of those stand up seats or like, you, you not, it doesn't have a back. It's like a ball. Okay. You know, and you yeah. balance on it. It's very good for balance and like your, your uh, core. And he figured out that if he bounces on it, it gives him steps. Uh. Well, it's not the worst so, thing. But. Yeah, so he sits there the whole day, like bouncing, and so basically, to you know, to to kind of get back to what we we're talking about, I like what you've presented with us today, man. And I gotta say, you may have yourself a client once the the Rona hey, gets dude, because yeah, I, I think I've yeah. always want. I think my son would be very. I've always thought for him, and for me too, actually. 
I didn't get to take a lot of, there wasn't a lot of martial arts available in my town at the time, or I just wasn't exposed to it. But the little that I got is where I got my kind of ideas about challenging yourself. And I mean, this was what eventually led me to start studying Buddhism and stuff like that, which was my early interest in like ninjas and martial arts and senseis and that kind of reading GI Joe comic books and reading about storm shadow and like that's pop culture stuff. What did I know? A little white kid in Jersey, but that is what really kind of formed these early ideas of, I feel better about myself when I do something for me and I feel good and other people feel good than just winning. Yeah. Like the win, like lauding over someone and saying, I defeated you doesn't give me a great feeling. What gives me a great feeling is I worked with my team, with myself. I gained discipline too. Discipline was an early thing from martial arts. The little I had of it, which is a couple classes here and there was what taught me. And you know, like those people in New York know, like when they used to show the Kung Fu movies on channel nine, this is why I love Wu-Tang clan (laughs) because Riza and I were both sitting watching the same shit on channel 11 and channel nine in New York, baby on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons. And it was always about fighting someone and then bowing to them and saying, I honor the competition that we had because it made us both better. Yeah. Me and Andy have talked about the the respect issue in like MMA. And I have told Andy, I was like, I don't like it when they come out and they're like, I'm going to fucking murder this dude. He's dead to me. You know? And they just like, it's all, it's like this super aggressive. It's like, I, I think that like part that is either. terrible for the I sport. Like I think that. McGregor throwing a fucking hand truck through a bus window is terrible for the sport. But when two dudes go out there and they bow and they shake hands and they just go and yeah. fight like two men, it's, awesome. it's not even two men, like two human beings, right? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it's, a, it's a human being respect issue. It has nothing to do with gender. And they just go out and give everything they have. And then yeah. afterwards they come to each other in the corner and they, you know, they bow again or they shake each other's hand and they respect each other yeah. and they go off the mat and there's no shame. Shit talking. It's not a WWF competition. Yeah. Like it's that's what it's I a, like. it's a sport, and I want it to be a sport. Like I want you to be competitive, and I want you to try to go out and sub somebody or knock someone out. But I also don't want you to be so aggressive about it that my child like sees that and is like, "Is that aggressive nature? Like yeah. how I'm supposed to compete? That, yeah, you know, yeah, like, is that acceptable behavior socially? To right, that type of stuff? right. Yeah. No, so that's why um, Barry Sanders. Remember Barry Sanders, the best man. He would score a touchdown. He would pick up the ball and he would just hand it to the official and he'd go right to the right. sideline. and and i that to me was always respect jerry rice would do the same thing he never celebrated he would maybe give a little thing you know i'm a randy moss moon the lambo crowd type of (laughs) (laughs) hey i mean look i gotta admit i am from new jersey so i can like sometimes when somebody goes off and does something kind of funny yeah but um You know, I like it, a little entertainment. Yeah, you have to. But you don't. But I, you don't. You don't have to be aggressive, right? Like yeah. if like the players scored a touchdown and ran over and punched the referee and like knocked him out, right? Like, like yeah. what would that do to football? But like that kind of shit kind of happens at the UFC, it, and it, and then the, the people still hold belts. Of, that's and it's a like, lot of sports, JD. I mean, look for me. 
I have to say that I love Michael Jordan. I, I idolized him as a child. I spent hours, hours imitating Michael Jordan on the basketball court near my house. But after Michael Jordan left basketball, I stopped watching. And one of the reasons I stopped watching is because everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan. They right, had yeah. to crush the competition all the time. And, and, uh, and I feel like for me, a little bit in sports and you look at our country, you know, we get into politics and stuff, but this, a lot of this stuff, you know, kind of like feeds into what we see around us when they say that like most CEOs are sociopaths and right. And the president yeah. we just had, what is, what is winning, right? What is competition? What is victory? And I think for us, I think we can all agree it's respectful competition. It's when you right. both learn something. It's not about crushing someone and winning is about achieving, like you said, Andy, at the highest level in what you've chosen to do in an arena where that is acceptable behavior. Right. You know, right. Yeah. and I think that that's what I like about kind of what you're espousing here, which is environment there's many factors you know you're not just saying go out all the time and win and that to me sometimes i have because i think maybe i wasn't taught properly when i was a kid yeah. mm -hmm. you know and not to mention my father who was like his he was like and rand like it was like crush everyone <laughs> if you're you know like if you don't have it it's because you didn't get it you right. didn't take it you know yeah that um that middle ground it, it it makes me think about and talking to you how important people like yourself and the people I had in my life who taught me what really winning and competition could be about has enabled me to do good when I had to do good but I will admit even as an adult I think I do have like and I can learn through my son to make it better in conversations like this there's still that part of me that's uncomfortable a little bit with the idea of winning or losing or competition in general. Mm. And um, it's something I got to be honest, like you said, with my son, because I talk to him about it all the time. We have an open dialogue. Like he knows, like JD said, when dad comes around, he's not as competitive. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I have to keep that going and be more open to it because you know what? I was proud that he made that jump. Yeah, I was too. You know, I'm 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 happy that you did that, JD. I want him to be challenged like yeah. that, you know? Maybe with some pads on his his elbows. Yeah, though. and I tell the kids all the time, I'm like, <laughs> I'm never gonna ask you guys to do something that's really gonna put you Yeah, in and you don't. Harm, you don't. You know, like, you don't. You know, I'm not, ha not I'm not no. dropping them into any huge That gap. ramp is like three inches yeah, off the ground, bro. Super tiny. Yeah. Andy, come over, ride it. <laughs> we should we should wrap this up. Yeah. Wait, say that, Andy. No, I was just saying I'm gonna turn my back and you're gonna use the gap like six feet or something like that. And I'm like, that's far bigger than what I saw, JD. Like, what? You're, you're damn right. You're damn right. Well, hey, Andy, yeah, thanks sure. for coming on, dude. I really appreciate you being here. And uh, I, I think this when the gyms open back up, does Portland Judo still do one free week? Yeah, I mean, it's even more than one free week. Like, we just do classes. I mean, we we have all sorts of walks of life going in there. If if a student kid comes in, they can't do for a, uh, pay for a month. Hey, man, come and try judo. Come and try jujitsu. We'll talk about it. 
you know, if the class is for you, if the culture is for you, then we could talk and work with you. So we're uh, a dojo that accepts everybody, all walks of life. Uh, once everything opens up again, just come and try the classes. If the culture is for you, yeah, let's sign you up. If it's not, there's a lot of other dojos in Portland too. Um, we're friends with a lot of other dojos too. So either right. way, like we're just more about moving the culture forward. And uh, that's one more person in martial arts learning how to contribute to society in a positive way. That's how we view it. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. And you know, if you go to uh, at Portland Judo right now, their in- your Instagram's got like free workouts on it, right? Like isn't Roy, yeah. Roy's been yeah. posting videos that kids could do at yeah. home and they don't I even need a gi, Roy. right? Uh, they don't need a gi. Like we've been producing content for uh, all of our members and young judokas out there. It's all on our Instagram at uh, Portland Judo and on our website at Portland Judo. For uh, adults out there, we do have an adult jujitsu program. I am the head jujitsu instructor. It's called PDX BJJ. It's in the same dojo. Um, we don't have kids jujitsu classes. We only have kids judo classes, and that's a whole other conversation on why and whatnot. But essentially, if you're an adult, an able bodied uh, female, male. We have a 64 year old man that trains with us. Like we take everybody and anybody, and we, we just try and make them the best version of himself. So check us out, PDXPJJ. Cool. Where else can we check you out? What nice. else you got going on? Any other shout outs you want to give? At, do, at Dojo Outfitters, that's my main personal business. That's a brick and mortar store. We've been around for eight years, like you said in the intro. We're offering a, a little discount for you guys that's listening. Um, not so rad. I think that's what it is at yep. the checkout. Yeah, so baby. Rad. Thank you. But that's that's my personal brand, my business. That's what I've been running. And then you can follow me personally, uh, new dad and gym owner and sensei professor at Andy Nawaza. That's my personal Instagram handle. And I get a lot of messages about training and, and business and just whatever. Like that's how I, I, I like to have a little instrument uh, that I could talk to our fan base on. So those are my Instagram handles and whatnot. But hey, anytime any of you guys are ever in Portland, Oregon, stop by the store, stop by the gym. Once all this Corona stuff is done and washed out, man. We'd love to have people come through uh, Oregon and Portland, Oregon again. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And you know what, JD? Maybe we should have an Instagram. Ooh, we should start a uh, not yeah. so rad dad. Are you on Instagram? Instagram, aren't you? I am. Will you I start got, one? I'm managing so many accounts, but yeah, let's start one. All right. Yeah. I'm not on Instagram. You know that? I never really joined Instagram. Oh, lucky for you. Should check it out. All right, that's our next show. That's our social media and children at the dojo. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so but listeners, when the gym opens up, go uh, show Portland Judo some love. Yes, please uh, do. The number one sport for non-head injury in kids, right? Fact, fact. Nice. I like that. Safer than soccer. Even safer than tennis. I love it. Thank you, Andy, so much, man. This has been really hey. enlightening. And uh, good luck with your, your son and your family and your business. And uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully I can meet you in person someday. Yeah, and Andy, you know yeah. where you can come if you ever need a bitch and complain about being a dad. We're here for you. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're veterans, man. I appreciate that. Much aloha. Thank you again. Yeah, All thanks right. for coming on, bud. Peace. All right. Yeah. Bye. Peace. All right. What a great interview. That was good. That was absolutely fantastic, man. You know, I really love that we're talking about this kind of stuff because it does help me with it, with being a dad. And Andy is a good dude. Yes. Andy is a great dude. He's going to be an awesome dad. And I'm, I'm so, uh, 
I'm so I'm so like stoked to see what his kid turns out to be. Yeah. Like I either see his kid being like the raddest kid or he could just be like the little bull that just <laughs> challenges Andy and, all the and time. And kicks his ass when he's yes, 13. Yes. That's what's going to happen. Knows. All right. Well, you want to take us out there, JD? Yeah. Hey, uh, remember to give us reviews. We got a new one. Thank you, Bodie Bodie. Yeah, that thank awesome you. review. And uh, yeah, make sure to send any questions you have to two not so rad dads at gmail.com. Uh, we'll try to get an Instagram up. And oh, and we're going to be doing every other week. We should announce that because I got to finish the Mindhunter podcast. Remember, oh, we talked right. about that? Well, dude, so yes. I had an idea. Uh oh. What if those in, in between weeks <laughs> yeah. I did interviews with other dads? Uh, that would be amazing. If maybe you we'll, want to do that, I could set you up. We yeah, can maybe, fig- we'll figure maybe something we'll have out. to miss a week, but I thought maybe we could do something interesting. Okay. Like okay. I think that would be very cool. I'd love to listen to that, dude. Cool. That would be very cool. And then I come on every other week and we talk about stuff and check back in. Yep. Ooh, that, and then I can kind of talk and say, oh, that was a great show you did. Yeah, you can give us That's feedback. great, yeah, because like I said, with the, that's like part of the reason why we stopped doing the Batch It Up, and I got to jump back in and start doing more stuff, finish up the Mine Hunter. I got a podcast with Ken about Podcast Winterfell, on Podcast Winterfell, so just to stretch myself out. But if the kids go back to school which looks like hopefully they will be able to get all these people well, vaccinated. It's not, it's going to be like April. March. Yeah. March yeah. or April, but Hey, that that'll be here before we know it, dude. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? In May. So before yeah. you know it, they're going to well, be right back at home. Hey, even a week back oh, will shit, buoy yeah. their spirits so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And over this and summer, ours. they'll be riding high, looking forward to getting back to normal school in the fall. I do look forward to that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for the reviews. Once again, welcome Alejandro, uh, Justin. Thanks to the patrons. And thanks very much to Andy. And thanks to you, JD, for getting us our first great guest. Yeah, that was awesome. So much fun. We're going to do more of these. Awesome. All right. right. Peace out, everybody. Peace.